We are tonight starting what, what I would say is the conclusion of the book of Romans. It's, y'all know how I preach. It's going to take three sermons to conclude this book. Um, we're going to start the first of that tonight, and then there'll be two follow-up sermons to that. Um, so some things that I want you to keep in mind, the reason I passed that out tonight for you to be thinking about um, is going to be kind of at the close of, of the sermon tonight. We're going to be uh, thinking about Paul's ambitions, uh, Paul's uh, dreams and hopes and uh, desires for his own life, and, and uh, I want us to examine our own ambitions tonight as well. Um, so I want to ask you, and and I would I would like I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. I want y'all to be thinking about it as I open us up in prayer tonight over the service, uh, and then I want you I want you and the reason I'm going to give you the time that I'm praying to be thinking about what your response would be is I don't want the churchy answer from you, right? Um, clearly, you could read down, find out whatever Paul's ambition is, and copy his, okay? Um, what I want you to be honestly in prayer and thought about tonight is what are your true ambitions for life, right? So that's the question I want you to be considering tonight. What are your ambitions, right? How many of you have ambitions? How many of you would consider yourself to be an ambitious individual? Raise your hands, hold them up. How many of you don't have any ambitions? Right? Because if you don't, I got one for you. Okay? Um, if you, how many of you, I want us to be, like I say, in this, I want us to be honest. We're all at different points in life. Some of you are young and you're like, you got your whole life ahead of you and you've got so many ambitions and they go in so many different directions. Other of you have, you're farther along in life and you may think to yourself, I had ambitions once. And then life kind of did its thing, and now I'm just, you know, just kind of riding it out. How, is anybody, is anybody maybe there? Is anybody, you used to have ambitions, used to have dreams and hopes about what this life had, and, and now kind of life is just taking its toll on you? Can we be honest? Is there anybody there tonight? Right, it's okay, it's okay if you're there. It's not okay if you stay there, Right? That's what I want to tell, like, we're all, we all struggle, we all wrestle. It's okay that you fall short. It's not okay that you're satisfied with continuing along that path. And that's what I want us to think about. So, some of you, you may not have raised your hand, but you, you may be in that, at that point in your life. You may be like, well, I'm, you know, however old you are. You may think you're too old or whatever, and you're like, I got nothing else left, like my good years are behind me. What do you mean have some ambitions? What do you mean about having dreams? Like, you know, I'm, I'm worried about my knees aching, my back hurting. It takes me 15 minutes to get up out of bed, and I'm hoping that I don't trip on the way to get my shoes on. What are you talking about? Ambitions, man, right? Like, some of you may be there, right? Some of you may be there, and, and I want to say to you, you're still here, you're still breathing, there are still men and women that you will come in contact with that need to hear the gospel. Don't give up on life. That's what I'm going to tell you. Right? Don't give up. Don't think that there's nothing left to live for. Uh, if you were a believer, follower of Christ, you have the greatest of hopes. Right? You have the greatest of hopes before you. So what are your ambitions? And I'm going to ask after we open up for some people to give some feedback that are not churchy, uh, churchy answers to this. 
Uh, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day, for your many wonderful blessings, God. Uh, we are so blessed to have a Lord uh, like you who would love us, uh, though so many times we are unlovable. And even on our best days, Lord, we are trying. Lord, uh, as we uh, now approach the end of this book, as we begin kind of the conclusion of this letter from Paul to the Roman church, I, I ask that your Holy Spirit would continue moving in us. Um, Lord, this has been uh, quite... Uh, quite a trek through this book. It's been uh, a good number of weeks, well over a year. Probably we're inching in on a year and a half in the study now. There's been a lot that we've covered, and I'm sure there's a lot that we've forgotten along the way. As we, as we close this book out, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in us. Lord, you, you, Lord, you know what my dreams, what my hopes, what my ambitions were in feeling that you had led me to preach from this book. Lord, and, and you are faithful. You are worthy of praise. Lord, I thank you for the work that you have done already and the work that you are sure to continue in us. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to preach your word as undeserving as I am to do it, Lord. I thank you that you have given me a desire, that you have given me a passion for your word, for your people. And I pray that there has been much change in our hearts as a church. Lord, I pray that as we wrap this letter up and we consider uh, Paul's thinking, Paul's heart for the nations, Paul's heart for the unreached. Lord, when we consider the truth of the gospel that we have dug into so much over, uh, over this study, that, that we would understand the hope that it provides to the hopeless. Lord, that it would not just be a me-centered reality when we consider the gospel, that when we consider what you have done for us, it would be a thing that would set our eyes on a greater purpose for life, Lord. And, and though our jobs and our day-to-day -day and those things that we may see as mundane are part of that, I pray that we never lose sight that it is more than just us. Lord, that there is more to do than just the everyday and ordinary. Lord, I pray that we don't lose sight of those who are hopeless as we enjoy the blessings and the comforts that this life has. Let us not be blinded by them. But let us use them to position ourselves as a church to be the kind of church that goes and sends to the hopeless. Lord, continue changing and shaping our hearts. Continue setting our eyes on you. It's in Christ's name, for His glory. Amen. All right. So does anybody want to volunteer some ambitions that you have in life or had? Obviously, I'd like to have more money after bills are paid. More money after bills are paid. 
Can I get an amen? That I, 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 I honestly, that's me too, man. Like, <laughs> is he more money after bills are paid? <laughs> man, there's some truth there. How many of you need money for your wallet this afternoon, man? <laughs> Alright, that's, that's real. That's real. We cut to the chase very quickly. Y'all did, y'all did not beat around the churchy answers at all with this one. It's about that money, man. Come on now. Can I get an amen? How many of you, when you think about ambition, I want you to be honest with me. When you think about ambition, and when you think about an individual who you would look at them and you would say, that person is a very ambitious person. How many of us, does that tend to revolve around material things? Right? That's good. Thank you. Because that was, I mean, if, if we were on, what's that show where they, they answer questions and then they go, ding, and you get the top answer? Well, Family Feud, you would have gotten the number one answer on that one, right? <laughs> uh, any other ambitions? Any other ambitions? So money, along with money, success. Security in general, what would we consider security? Like, if we had money, that would come a long way, right? If we had money, if we didn't have to worry about where the money came from, right? It's there, like lottery, like we won the lottery, we got a ton of it, we feel secure, and then you get in your Bentley driving down the road and you hit an 18-wheeler because all the money was sliding around in the back and you just, you know, like... I mean, think about it, though. Like, what is security? We think, we, we've got our mindset on, well, if I have enough money in the bank, like, okay, so if you have enough money in the bank, then you can get the Bentley. If you get hit by a car, you can buy the best doctor. Are you secure? Do we, do we have security in that? But, but that's, that's right on it. Money, security, comfort. Right? So, not only do I want to be secure, not only do I want my wallet filled with money, <laughs> right? I want my recliner, right? I want my what? Here's I want my wallet filled with money after I've bought all the stuff I want or could ever want, right? That's what we're looking at. That's where when we think about ambition, that's the kind of person that we're thinking about. The more you have, the more you want. Why? Because you're ambitious, right? The more money I got, the more money I want, and I'm not going to call it greed, I'm going to call that ambition, right? That's the way that we think. That's the way that we operate. Money, security, comfort, what other kind of... Position, social status, popularity... Right? These are things that we want. You can oftentimes tell this, how many of us have some means of social media and the way that we post things online and we want you to think the best of us. I saw an article this past week that said the people who use social media the most tend to be the people who are the most depressed. Why? Why? Because here's the thing, is that you know the way that you're building yourself up and the way that you're looking is somewhat fake. But in your mind, you think every other one looks just like that. Picture perfect in every way. We want to be popular, right? But we never feel like we measure up. Popularity, 
Social status. Any any others? What ambitions? The American dream. Yeah. No worries. Comfort, ease, carefree. A job and a job you like to do that makes money and is comfortable. Doesn't take enough, doesn't take too much time away from other things that you like to do. You want it all catered to you. Right? What other ambitions do we have? Do we have any others? This is good. <laughs> this is good. Alright, so I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Dave steer us into the church he answers. <laughs> no, this is good. We should be here. Right? Yes. Yes. Alright? <laughs> we should have an ambition to know God more. To know Christ more. To know the Gospel more. Right? Oftentimes, unfortunately, it takes way too long for us to realize the importance of that. Does it not? Because we have our eyes and our minds and our sights blinded by other things. And it's not until we lose hope in those oftentimes that we take the concession, right? That we take what we oftentimes, well, it's just kind of second place. Knowing Jesus, like, seriously, you'd rather know Jesus more than have a lot of money? Here's the unfortunate truth. You look across many churches, many churches, and what you will find is that if someone came into a position where they had popularity, wealth, comfort, They do not need this anymore. Because this was about getting that. The root of it, right? Is that we hope that if we can rub the genie's lamp just right, that He'll grant all of our wishes. That's where our ambitions lie. So we should have ambitions that are heavenly. And it should not take us falling short, chasing after other ambitions, for that to become our main ambition. Can I tell you that being successful is not a sin for you? Do you understand that? This coming from the guy that's gonna, that's gonna, every chance he get, like, throw a stone over it, the health, wealth, prosperity folks, right? And I want to tell you that, that prosperity, is not a sin. When it is your main focus and hope and your ambitions are set upon it, it is. You can use your status, your money, your comforts. How many of you are uncomfortable tonight? Because if you are uncomfortable, we can adjust the AC just a little bit. Right? We're going to have to convince somebody to get a key out or something. But we can, we can get comfortable. Amen? Others are going to be uncomfortable. This is true. This is true. These things are not in themselves sinful. They can be used in powerful ways for God's work. 
I want us to understand that. I want us to think rightly about these things. If you are a successful individual in here tonight, awesome. If that's the only focus and hope that you've got, I could point you at a hundred other people who were successful and lost everything that they had. If that is where your hope lies, vanity of vanities. If in this moment you find yourself successful, and you find your ambitions fixed on Christ, you are in a position to be used in a great way by Him. If you, listen to me now, if you have lost everything, and you are old and feel like you are out to pasture, and you set your eyes and hearts on Christ, He can use you. In powerful ways. In powerful ways. So as we consider these things, I want us to now step into uh, the concluding section of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 15. We're going to be starting in verse 14. And I'm going to use a little bit of this early on. Kind of, I want to, I want to, to, to kind of reflect my heart and mind in, in preaching this uh, book, and, and this gives me a good, uh, a good place, position to kind of, to kind of communicate that. So uh, as I look at this, I find my feelings about uh, the opportunity to preach to you all line up uh, a lot as Paul's um, thoughts towards the Roman church. Uh, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. And, and I want to pause for a second. I want to, to echo that same thing to you, my church, Mount Carmel. When I started this study, this was not to save all of you. Right? This was not in some way I thought that your ideas of what the gospel was was so out in left field that I felt like I needed to bring the gospel correctly and properly to you. Right? As I approached this book and as I had been studying this book time and time and time again over the years and I considered preaching it to you, I did not come at it as though I was going to bring a hundred thousand new things to you, right? You are my church. You have blessed me over many years of serving here, and I hope that I have as well, likewise, over those years, been a blessing to you all. And I am fully satisfied that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Verse 15. But on some points I have written you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And I want to use this to kind of say to you that as I've been preaching this, again, it was not in a way that I thought I was going to now bring the gospel and you didn't have any knowledge of the gospel. But it was so that in some ways and in some points I could preach boldly to you as a reminder to you what the gospel is and what the gospel calls us 
as Christians, as followers of Christ, to do? Why, if Paul is holding this opinion of the Roman church, has he written now up to this point the clearest, boldest, most wonderfully beautiful, clear and concise passages on what the gospel is, if he believed that they knew it already, as a reminder to them, church. And to set the stage for what he was going to present them as their responsibility, right? And, and, and I would say this responsibility likewise falls on us. And when we get there, I would say this responsibility falls on any established church, any congregation. This is why I passed out to you these papers that are showing the, the work that remains in the world. And this is why many times as I've had opportunities throughout this book, I've pointed the gospel shows us that we are to go to the nations, right? That as a church, we are to consider this global work that the gospel is continuing to do, that God is continuing to do through the preaching of the gospel, that we here at Mount Carmel would consider these things, that we at Mount Carmel would consider our position, the money that we have. We have money, right? And when we think about this, we may not consider ourselves wealthy, but what I hope that you've gathered, as I've made mention time and time again, it should not be unknown to you, is that as a church, in the, in the global scope of things, we are very fortunate and wealthy as a church. Do we spend it properly and wisely? Always? Probably not. Do we always spend it wrong? No. Could we use our resources better? Probably so. I want us to be thinking about these things. I want us to be reminded of our call in the gospel. And what we are doing with regards to that call. Verse 17. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. And I want to pause for a minute here, and and I want to say something that should be clear in this. Um, oftentimes, I find uh, one of my struggles uh, being a proud proud individual is I like to take a lot of credit, right? Like, I, I want to look good. I want, like... You know, I want afterwards to get a lot of pats on the back. I think a lot of preachers, a lot of times, we like that. We want to act like we don't like that sometimes. Like, hey, don't cheer me on, but if, if you don't tell me I did a good job afterwards, it's so easy for me to get my feelings hurt because I wanted you to tell me I did a good job. And, and I want us to take a moment here, and I want us to consider Paul's thoughts when he thinks about all that he has done. And we've looked in past sermons at the work that... Paul had done, um, I would go so far as to say is that you are here today because of the efforts that Paul put in in his lifetime. That's a big deal, man. Like, the, like he was God's man to the Gentiles, right? And when, what, what did we say about the Gentiles last week? When we use the word Gentiles, who are we talking about? The nations, right? He started a work in his calling that continues today. And when he thinks about what he's done, he's proud of it. He's proud of it. But he's got a, 
an, an understanding of why he can be proud of it. And, and when I think about, when I consider preaching Romans, like, this has been such an amazing, an amazing opportunity for me, an amazing blessing to me. And when I think about it, I'm like, man, I'm proud of that. Like, I am. Like, I'm proud of that. Not because the church pews are packed out. Right? Not because it looks like any amount of missionaries are being sent out from us. Because when I think about the work that I do here, it is not about how many pats on the back that I get. It was in Christ. And I can say that honestly. As I consider my heart for preaching this book to you, I consider that it was in Jesus. In Christ Jesus then. So when when you think about the efforts that you put in, preachers, when you think about the efforts that you put in, teachers, when you think about the effort that you put in, future missionaries, People who are going to work tomorrow, and you don't know if it look, you don't know how it's going to shape in the in the big picture of global missions. You just you want to do something. When you think about that, when you think about the way that you live your lives, is it in Christ? If it's in Christ, you have reason to be proud. You have reason to be proud, not because of your efforts. You have reason to be proud because it was in Christ. So let us be a people who are proud of the work that we do. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. And I want to say that as I stand up here as a preacher, um, I'm I'm proud that I've had the opportunity to preach this book to you all. Um, And and I want to also say that if it was not for the work of Christ in me, who knows um, where I would be. So um, I want to say thank you. For Christ, And as I think about how Paul kind of entered in to verse 17 there, in verse 16 he ends it, talking about this work that he's done, this offering that he's lifted up, it being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and at this point, uh, I, I think to myself, I say, God, I'm, I'm thankful that uh, your Holy Spirit is working in this place. I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is working in the preaching that comes from my lips, from all the lips of the preachers that come here, because how many times do we fail in our preparation? How many times do we fail in our delivery? How many times do we fail in our motivations for the reason we do this? But this work is being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and that is a very comforting thing to know. The Holy Spirit is moving in spite of our failings, in spite of our faults. Verse 18. For I will not venture to speak of anything except for what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. What obedience is he speaking of here? He's speaking of, and we'll cover it in the closing of of the book um, in a couple of weeks, and we've already covered it before. When we talk about obedience, this is obedience of faith. If you look over in the last chapter and look at the end of verse 26, you'll see him using this idea of obedience of faith. So this, uh, this obedience here, when he talks about bringing the Gentiles to obedience, he's talking about bringing them to obedience to faith. And this is something that I want us to, to kind of reflect back on as we consider the gospel. The gospel calls us, and we are to be obedient to this call, right? It calls us to repentance, because we are sinners apart from Christ. And Christ has come to save us. And for us to be saved, we must repent of our sins and place our faith in Christ alone for salvation. And we must continue in 
repentance, being obedient in, in our faith to Him. And I want to also consider in verse 18 here, um, and, and, and as I read this, as I study this book, and I think of, uh, of, of all that Paul had done in his life, and, and every time he, uh, he gets the opportunity to, to take any kind of credit for himself, what does he do here? Verse 18, For I will not venture to speak of anything except for what Christ has accomplished through me. And, 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 and I, as I consider my ministry, and, and I pray that you as teachers and preachers and, and, and just any, any role that you play uh, in this church, as, as, as you consider it, as you consider what you do and what you're doing, I would, I would ask that we would all have this kind of heart, this kind of, this kind of mind in the service that we do, that we would be humble in, in, in all things. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Because everything else, any human effort, any human endeavor that is not of Christ, that is not focused and directed towards Him for His glory is vain and will end in vanities. So when we start thinking about towards the end of this text, where we as a church stand the opportunities that we have to reach the lost, I do not want us to think that we are going to achieve that in any way apart from the working of Christ in us. Right? I don't want us to consider when we start thinking about, because I want us to start thinking, I want us to start considering, why has God placed us here? Why has He placed us here and what what role can we play in this thing that He is doing? This bringing in people from all nations and all tongues. Right? I want us to think seriously about that, but I don't want us to think that we will achieve that through mere human endeavors. Right? In no way will we ever be successful in that. I want us to always think and consider uh, whether it be in the smallest of things that we do, or whether it be if if we are uh, if we were to become missionaries to an unreached people group, I don't want us to ever think that it happens, or that we could speak of anything except for what is accomplished uh, through Christ in us. Whether it be by word or by deed, as He. Uh, says in verse 19, by the power of signs and wonders or by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to uh, Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. I want us to go back and I want us to think about the answers that we gave earlier to the question, uh, what, what are your ambitions in life? How many of you, raised your hand, how many of your ambitions in life revolved around things that when this world is over, those ambitions will die with it? How many, how many of us, right? How many, of, how many of us seek so much after comfort, seek so much after success, all of it revolving around who? Me. 
It's all, all of our ambitions oftentimes, so unfortunately, oftentimes our ambitions in this life are revolving around me. When we think about church and we think about what this is about, what do we oftentimes consider first? Me. Our ambitions are selfish most of the time. When we think about Paul, and we look at what he says here, I want this to sink into us, and I want, I want us to make steps towards this being something that we can say with Paul. Right? Verse 20, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. What is Paul's ambition in life? Carry the gospel into the world. Not just into the places that are safe, not just into the places that are comfortable, not just into the places that are easy, not just in the places where somebody else has already established a church and he can just go there and and be the next pastor, right? His ambitions are what? To reach those who have never heard. How many of us, be honest with me, how many of us, apart from maybe the last year or so, how many of us would raise our hands and say that our ambitions individually have been set on reaching those who have never heard the gospel? Reaching those places that the gospel has yet to reach. How many of us? One. I I just want us to think about that for a second. I I want us let's take a let's take a moment and let's reflect on the gospel. Let's reflect on what we've looked at as we've been studying through this book. How many how many apart from someone preaching the gospel or someone reading the good news about Christ, how many seek God? None. That's scripture. That's what the book says. How many are good? None. There's none good. No, not one. There's none who seek after God. The Gospel tells us that all apart from Christ have what hope? No hope. And then the Gospel says to us, Christ came. When we were not seeking Him, when we were not looking for Him, when our ambitions were set in a hundred different places, He came for us. And what does it take? What does it take for you to believe? Do you have to first pay some debt off? Do you have to first... Get your life right. What does the gospel tell us? Come as you are. Place your faith in Him. Repent of your sins. Continue repenting. Continue believing. Do you, do, do you have your life worked out now? Believers. Believers. Do you have your life all worked out now? 
Are you farther along than you were? What do we call that? That's sanctification. Do you have a hope? Do you have a hope that one day the struggles with sin that you face now will be no more? And where does that hope rest? In your work? In your efforts? In Christ alone. One day you will stand with Him. Not just in Casper ghosty figures. Right? One day... He will return and you will be raised to life. Resurrection is where our hope ends. Where all that we hope for becomes sight. And we're not over-spiritualizing that. This is the gospel in which we rest. That changes, that stirs, that moves, that sins. Because you know they have no hope apart from the gospel. And you are living in hope today. How can a people who know this hope not go? Answer me this. How can a people, knowing they are hopeless, put their thoughts, minds, and efforts towards everything else under the sun apart from those who have no hope? Answer me, church. What hope do they have? Will they find it in success? Will they find it in money? Will they find it in comfort? Insecurity. If they do not hear the gospel, they perish as sinners. They have no hope without it. And we sit in our comfortable pews, in our comfortable churches, worrying about the most meaningless of things most often. Concerning ourselves with things so earthly and so fleshly that most of the time you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between somebody who was a churchgoer and somebody who wasn't. Successful, not successful. Rich, poor. Most of the time we look no different. Because our ambitions are no different. The Gospel reminds us that we're here for something more. It reminds us as believers, no matter where we are, no matter what we look like, no matter what we have or what we don't have, no matter how good we think we are at a thing or how bad we think we are at a thing, no matter what gifts we think we have or what gifts we wish we had, we know that God is sovereign over all. That includes your birth. That includes your death and everything in between. And He, in His infinite wisdom, has placed you where He wanted you to be. For His purposes. Ultimately, Romans 8.28, for your good. So what does the Gospel cause us 
to do? What does it stir within us, church? Paul says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build build on someone else's foundation. How many of us now would make it our ambition to preach the gospel where it has never been preached? I don't, listen, I I don't want you to just, yeah, I'll do it, right? Because I want to be honest with you, is that if all of y'all were called to preach the gospel to an unreached people group, who's going to send you? Right? Not all of you are goers. Right? I want us to get this, is that not everybody's purpose is to go and preach there. But that does not mean that we can just not think about that. Do you know that in all that we do as, a, as a, an American church, in all the money that we give to missions, that 1%, maybe a smidge less than 1% of all the money that we get that we give goes to those who have never heard. So I want, to, I want you to think of all the money that you've ever given. And tithes and offerings to this church. I want us to think about it as a church. What portion or percentage of what we give and take up among ourselves goes to any kind of missions? And maybe we write a check and give it to some mission fund out of that 1% of that. 1% of that. Of all the missionaries... Only a handful go to the unreached. And if no one goes, what hope do they have? If no one sins, what hope do they have? If we do not concern ourselves with these things today, what hope do they have? Who would make it their ambition? Who would consider it? Who would... Lose sleep over it. I fear, even as I, even as I preach all of this, that a year from now it means nothing. Like that's, a, I want to, I want to be honest with you. That's a, a real fear that I have, and I know that God is sovereign. But I think I'm going to step down from here, and then in a year, there's not going to be anybody thinking about missions except for me and my wife, maybe, and Dustin. And then we won't even consider it. That we forget about it. Do we care that the lost are dying? Do we care? Paul's ambition was to reach them. And I don't know how we get there. Right? Like, I don't want to sit and say that I've got like a 15-step plan if we do this, 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 and this, that we will have a person preaching the gospel to an unreached people. I don't know how we get there. But I know that we'll never get there if we don't consider it. I know that we'll never step out from our pews if we don't lose a little sleep over it. And there are people dying. Today, as I've preached this message, 
dozens, dozens have stepped forward into the next life, having never had the opportunity, never had the gospel presented to them. And I wonder, do we care? Will we care? Will we make it our ambition as a church? Does it matter to us as a church that the lost are perishing? Paul says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told will see. Will that fail? Will that fail? Paul quotes here from Isaiah, chapter 52, verse 15. Those who have never been told of Him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. Will this fail? Did Paul complete this task? Did Paul complete this task? Were all peoples reached? Clearly all peoples were not reached. Because you've got a list in front of you. Yet Paul could say it so confidently, couldn't he? Because all he had to do was quote what God had said before. Can God fail in this? Can we miss out? I'm afraid we can. I'm afraid we can. I want to preach to you in such a way that we don't. Right? Like when I stand up here, I want the weight of all of those who have died to rest on me as I speak to you. So that maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit would move in you and send you, or maybe the Holy Spirit would stir us so that we would sin, so that we would be concerned, so that we would care. So that we would be involved in this thing that cannot fail. It cannot fail. Because He cannot fail. So then I rest in that. And with the same confidence that Paul said it, I'll say it. Those who have never been told of Him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. And church, you will have a part in this. How do we start? How do we start? Let's start in prayer. Let's start in prayer. Can you come and pray? Not often do I ask you to come and pray. Not often do I ask you to come to the altar. There are men and women dying, perishing today. And the church just sits by. Pray for those that are on those lists. Pray for those people groups. Pray for those nations. Millions. Millions in each. Billions in total. 
billions who within a hundred years from now, billions of people, do you hear me, church? Billions of people that in a hundred years, if we do nothing, they die. Billions of people perish. Billions. Let us pray for them. Lord, I thank You for this day. I thank You for You are holy, holy, holy. You are worthy of the praise of every tongue that has ever been born. And the fact that men have denied You that is an abomination. Lord, forgive us. So often we concern ourselves over the most trivial of things. So often, even as your people, even as the church, we have been blinded by the comforts of this world that we would forget about the next. Forgive us. Lord, we repent and we continue in repentance because we are sinful in need of Your working and Your continual work of Your Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, that You would move in our hearts. That You would move in Your people. Lord, that as we begin in prayer over these people here tonight, billions of people, Lord, we do not know their name, but You know each hair on their head. Lord, this task is too big for us, but it's not too big for You. Lord, it is so much more than we can do on our own. But Lord, we do not stand alone. You can do all things. Lord, I ask that You would move in us. That You would continue to move in us. Lord, that You would continue driving Your preachers deeper into Your Word. That the teachers of Your Word at this church would dive deeper and deeper still, Lord. That we would be a people who love the truth of Your Word. And that it would change us and mold us and shape the way that we think. Shape the way that we look at our jobs. Shape the way that we consider success and failure. Lord, I ask that You would move, because if You don't move, Lord, we will not be moved. Because we are much too comfortable. We are much too comfortable where we sit. Lord, I know that You are faithful. I know that You are holy. I know that You are worthy. Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would move and continue to move in us. We pray for these people. Lord, I pray that You would put it on the hearts of individuals in this church to continue in prayer for these people. Lord, that we would lose sleep over this. That we would, that we would make it our ambition, Lord. Whether we have 10 years, whether we have 20, 30, 40, 50 more years, Ahead of us, only you know that. But I pray, Lord, that from now to then, that our ambition would be that the lost would be saved. 
that those who do not have access to the gospel would be given access to the gospel and that we would make efforts towards that. However small it may seem to us, let us trust in a God who can make big those things that seem so small to us. Lord, the one who can feed thousands with so little. The one who shapes the heart of kings stands with us as we go and enables us to stand. I thank you for Christ. I thank you for the hope that we have in Him alone. Lord, that we would be unified in Him. That your Holy Spirit would move. It's in Christ's name for His glory. Amen.